Danielle has been, a lot of new people. Danielle has been um, a part of FBC in the past. Um, they were at FBC, were a little confused, but maybe we're thinking 11 years um, before they moved to Idaho. Um, she's married to Jeff. Um, they've been married for 27 years. They attend New Hope Baptist Church in Idaho, where Jeff is now an elder. Danielle serves alongside Jeff in life groups, teaching women's Bible studies, and serves on leadership as a deaconess. They have two adult children. Jake is 25 and Kaylee's 20. Danielle was part of the very first Moms by Grace as a mentor mom, and then moved into planning leadership the next year. Way back, we thought, 2007. <laughs> She's been a way back to the beginning. Um, she has the gift of teaching. She's devoted to the truth, loves the truth, but is also compassionate with those who are struggling and fighting against the truth. So please welcome Danielle. moms and don't let anybody else tell you so because you all get up at the crack of dawn <laughs> to be here so I believe it you are the super spiritual moms okay um, well I, I am so privileged to be with you guys today it's such a sweet blessing I like Tony said I um, I remember this mom's by grace was like a little thought in Danielle Nunez's mind. Um, and uh, gosh, so many sweet memories have been had through the years at Moms by Grace, and uh, it has a, a special place in my own heart. Um, and uh, my, this is also such a sweet day for me because um, my two nieces are here, <laughs> and I love them dearly. So thankful that they're involved um, at two wonderful churches so, so thankful um, so as Tawny mentioned um, we've been at, at we were at FBC for quite some time I thought it was 2008 but then Moms by Grace 2000 I don't know but anyway we we moved in 2019 um, out to Idaho and um, but FBC continues to be such a place of great encouragement for us as we serve the Lord elsewhere. Um, Jeff and I uh, will always be connected to this body of believers through many years of raising our children here, serving the Lord here, and so many wonderful memories with sweet friends were made at FBC. Um, as Tony said, my Husband uh, serves as an elder at New Hope Baptist Church. It's a sweet little church in Idaho. And um, when I say little, compared to FBC, is very little. Um, probably around 250 people. And to you guys, that's like the people in here. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a community group. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we um, are currently um, building a home, which we thought we would never do. That just seemed like such a dream. We bought five acres, and it has been so terribly hard work, but so much fun. Um, we have six chickens, which means we're rich, I guess, now. So that's cool. That's pretty awesome. Um, and yes, we have a 25-year-old, uh, my son Jacob, and... A 20-year-old, um, her name's Kaylee, and maybe you guys have seen her here, but um, she grew up here. And um, she now serves in junior high ministry, finishing her last semester at Masters Online to come back and serve at FBC. And um, we're excited she's in a faithful, faithful church. So it's good. 
So as I thought back on parenting, days now gone, I decided to add up all the days we have with our children before they turn 18. And oh, you're gonna love this one. Maybe not, but um, I just wanna pray before we get started. Father, we come before you this morning and Lord, we thank you for this new year with new hope. And Lord, um, just seeing your beautiful sunrise this morning, what um, a reminder of your faithfulness to us. Um, I just pray, Lord, that you would speak through me, Lord, that it would be your words, that you would be honored and glorified today. And we lift up this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So did you know that we have 6,570 days with our children? Can you believe that's the total amount of days you have before your children are considered legal adults? It doesn't seem like very many when you look at that number, right? That's like 6,500 days. That's not that many. Or maybe it, it does seem like a lot because you're in the middle of them. Well, in Idaho, there is no time between fall and winter. Not many days at 65 degrees in the fall. It happens at midnight and arrives without notice. And before you know it, you're in the 30s. Much like this are the end of those precious days with your children. The end arrives without any notice at all. But I know when you're in the middle of those days, the days seem long and the years are short, right? Psalm 90:12 says, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. My prayer for you all is that you would live each of those 6,500 plus days completely trusting each of your children to our good and gracious God's plan for their lives. Today, we're going to look at entrusting our children to the Lord. As I studied, I discovered what that word entrusting, it's really not actually what we think it means. So what does this word entrust mean? The word is used several different ways in God's word, but the main meaning you'll see on your note page is to trust something to the care of someone else or to give over something to another for care or protection. So we see the opposite in John 2, 24, where Jesus did not entrust himself to the care of men because he knew their hearts and what was in their hearts. We see the word entrust in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, where the man entrusted his property to his servants while he was gone referring to being a good steward of the gifts that God has entrusted to us. We also see the word entrust in Romans 3, 2, says the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. And also throughout the New Testament, we see that the gospel message was entrusted to faithful men. These and many more verses have something in common. God possesses something and has given this thing to someone for care and protection for just a period of time. So we can say, God has entrusted a child or maybe many children to you in which he alone created and possesses. They are his, given to us for a period of time. We have an example of this in 1 Samuel 1, right? A woman who desired children prayed for years, cried out to God, and God finally answered her prayer in his perfect timing. She turned around and gave him back to the Lord. We see a heart of complete trust in her God. She understood that God had given her Samuel for a time to care for, and she would give him back to God. Well, she literally took him to the house of the Lord after he was weaned, maybe around three years old, and left him there, right? And I'm sure you all are not going to drop your child off at FBC's door <laughs> at three years old so he can serve or he or she can serve the Lord, right? 
But Hannah serves as a reminder for us that God is the giver of our children and has entrusted them to us for a time. And we're called to trust him and his plan he has for their lives. So again, we're not entrusting God with something that is already his in the first place. I would say we are trusting that God is all wise and all loving and will do what is best in and through our children. Our children are not ours to begin with, but they have been given to us for a time to steward. Being a steward describes one who has the authority and responsibility for something that someone else owns. In other words, God has given us the authority and responsibilities over our children for a time to teach them, to train them, to care for them, and to speak of him and to lead them by example. In order to teach, care, and lead our children, it all starts with us. So today we're going to look at cultivating a heart of dependence on Christ as we trust the Lord in his good and perfect will for us and for our children. We can cultivate a heart of dependence in prayer, through meditating and memorizing God's word, and in humility. Trusting is a daily practice of reminding ourselves of the character of our great God and that our children are not ultimately ours. The most important thing I can impart to you today is to exhort you to take care of your own heart as you raise your children. As followers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and as moms, we have to keep the first thing first. And it all starts with us. We are to be the example for our children to follow. The outcome of our training doesn't belong to us, but God has entrusted us or trusted us with these little ones to teach them who he is and what it looks like to follow him. You guys know these verses, Deuteronomy 4.10, right? The Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I, that I may let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 19. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you're sitting in your house and when you're walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. We're called to teach our children with all diligence, meaning to teach them thoroughly. And we're to teach them something, and we are teaching them something all of the time. They're watching what we do, how we live, and what we talk about. Sometimes we get caught up in spending too much, time, too much of our time on things that really just don't matter. Like time on our phones, right? Our phones can be such a wonderful tool, but they're also such a danger. The danger is that our hearts get caught up with so many worthless things. And then we're distracted from the most important thing. We're called to something greater, right? To follow our savior and to serve him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, first and foremost. We're also to give ourselves in this short amount of time to teaching our children the fear of the Lord. Not only do our phones distract us from keeping the first things first, but also our own sin, right? Such as worry and anxiety and fear. 
We can worry about what our children eat, where they will go to school, their friends, their choices, their behavior at church or around others, the perfect sport for them to play or the best dance school, and the list goes on. Worry and anxiety and worldly endeavors are truth tellers of the focus of our own hearts. Our children can easily become idols to worship instead of souls to steward for God's purposes. Charles Spurgeon said, train up a child in the way he should go, but be sure you go that way yourself. We need to take care of our hearts, right? First and foremost, our children are watching and they learn over time what and who mom lives for. Some questions to ask yourself. Does your dependence on Christ show through the priorities of your day? What do your thoughts and actions say about who and what you value the most? I want to encourage you today to number one in your outline, cultivate a heart of dependence on Christ by developing a habit of prayer. To make a habit of something is a reoccurring pattern of behavior through repetition, right? We don't create a habit through doing it once or twice. Good habits, we all know, don't come easy. When you're tired, emotionally spent, or maybe you are simply just not paying attention, you will fall back on whatever habits um, you've created, whether they're good or they're bad. I can tell you that when my kids were young, I did not have a habit of prayer. I would pray here and there, but I didn't have a consistent um, daily time I spent in prayer seeking God's wisdom, um, in which we all so desperately need as moms, right? James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. As a young mom, I loved the Lord. I served him. I sought to teach my children about Christ and to lead them to the cross. But I got so easily caught up in the to-do lists of the day and all the ways that they needed to be cared for. Us moms, we are doers, right? We get things done. And, in, and when I wrote that, I'm like, that sounds like a commercial. <laughs> but sometimes it felt as if sitting for prayer was not doing anything at all. And I needed to get up and get moving. You may have all heard that famous John Piper quote, God can do more in five seconds than we can do in five hours, months, or years. We know this to be true, but do we live like that? As my children got older, junior high and high school and beyond, I felt the heaviness of, of life and their lives, their friends, their choices, and that I needed my Heavenly Father's wisdom as well as the peace that only He can give. And God, in His love for me, helped me to see my need for communion with Him. Thankfully, God gifted me with some wonderful women, some from which still attend FBC, who would wake up at 5 a.m. And that's nothing for you guys because you guys are the super spiritual moms. So, but it was still dark outside. 5 a.m. on Fridays, and we would meet together and we would pray for our children. This was an absolute wonderful, the most sweetest time in my life. And it really serves as an example of how much we need each other. The sweet fellowship we shared through groanings, tears, and begging God together, there was nothing like it. These women were women of love, encouragement, and compassion. In this time as we prayed, we got to see God work. We watched prayers he answered, be answered, even when our hearts were much like the Father in Mark 9, who said, I believe, help my unbelief. 
but God graciously and faithfully reminded our hearts that he alone is trustworthy. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us. I just wonder, do we really believe that? Because if we truly believed that God can do way more than we ask or think, we would spend more time in prayer, right? We don't say with our words, we can do this on our own, but sometimes that's exactly how we live. Throughout those 6,500 plus days you have with your children, spend those days developing a habit of prayer. This habit of prayer is laying a foundation in your heart of trust and dependence on Christ that you will need, and I promise you, you will need that when you no longer feel like you have control over those little ones' days, right? And more and more, as you see the day drawing near, you will need to go to your perfectly, perfect heavenly Father in prayer as you go against our culture in what and how you train your children. He is able in our dependence on him to use our lives for his glory as our children watch and listen to us. Speaking about motherhood, Al Mohler said, what moms invest and implant in their children is always there, even if the world seduces them in the future. And that's going to happen a lot. But there is something that there is there that is precious and powerful and I believe that many of these children, once they reach adulthood, once they've tried many other things, sadly, there will be something in their heart, not just in their minds, but in their hearts, that moms by the Holy Spirit have the opportunity to plant there. It's going to take a mom who lives by faith in her great God to show the way for her children. Some questions to ask yourself. Are you living a life worthy to be followed? Are you showing your children what it looks like to follow Christ by not only your words, but also your actions? Are you seeking God's wisdom through prayer, realizing he has the power to do more than you can ask or think? So I also want to encourage you today, number two in your outline, to cultivate a heart of dependence on Christ by developing a habit of studying and memorizing God's word. Maybe you already have a habit of spending time in the word each morning, and maybe you don't. Jesus tells the disciples in Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That is so true. My spirit is so willing, but oh boy, is my flesh so weak. We need the truth of his word to teach us and remind us, remind our forgetful hearts who he is and what he's done for us. We need the good news every single day. The Puritan Thomas Brooks said, Remember, it is not hasty reading, but serious meditating upon holy and heavenly truths that make them prove sweet and profitable to the soul. It is not the bee's touching of the flower which gathers honey, but her abiding for a time upon the flower which draws out the sweet. It is not he who reads most, but he who meditates most, who will prove the choicest, sweetest, wisest, and strongest Christian. This or exhortation to spend time in, in God's word is something we all hear so often. I realize that. We have good intentions and desires with our spiritual disciplines, right? But in the busyness of parenting, we get distracted and other things cry out for our attention. God has given us his very word to know him and with knowing him comes the peace and comfort you will need as you show your children the way. When we let other things distract us from his word, again, we are saying, I can do this on my own. We have all been there, especially in the early days of parenting. I have said, 
I'm going to start being consistent tomorrow morning. And the next morning I'm up and my phone is sitting next to me and I get a text about a play date, right? Not anymore. And, <laughs> and, now, and now I'm trying to figure out my day so I can meet up with a friend. Or I have read a couple verses or maybe even a chapter and then I'm off. And an hour later, I can't even remember what I read. The word is my lamp, which brings light to my path. It helps me discern truth from worldly thinking. It reminds me of the greatness and faithfulness of my God. God's word is a treasure to be uncovered and not a duty to fulfill. Most of you have probably heard um, or even read that little book called Tyranny of the Urgent. It's by Charles Hummel. He says, your greatest danger is letting the urgent things crowd out the important. Unlike money, time comes to all of us in equal parts. In fact, everyone has all the time there is, 24 hours in a day. But what an astonishing variety in our use of that time and the results of our choices. Ask yourself, how are you currently using the 24 hours God has given you? Are you using the time you've been given wisely are you keeping the first thing first? Paul exhorts the Ephesian church in Ephesians 5, 15 through 16, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. We feel that more and more, don't we? The days are evil, but the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. From Psalm 119, 105. And as you walk through those difficult days of training and discipleship, the word will give direction to your parenting, and it is where you will find comfort and peace. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. And in those exhausting days, we resolve to say like the psalmist in Psalm 119, 114, You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. So far, we've looked at cultivating a heart of dependence on Christ in prayer and on God's word. And lastly, I want to encourage you, number three in your outline, to cultivate a heart of dependence on Christ in humility. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience god uses parenting to help us in the humility department doesn't he there is nothing like being a mom to bring us to our knees we all have had days that remind us how much we need the lord sometimes you have a day where it feels like it's too much to handle and god gently reminds you we must depend on him for wisdom and strength Sometimes you have a day that reveals sin in your heart and you didn't realize it was there, like impatience, anxiety, selfishness, anger, and discontentment. And God lovingly reminds us we need his abundant grace depending on his spirit. I believe God uses parenting and among many other things to strip away our independence and the pride that keeps us from walking with him. Parenting is one of those means of grace God uses to make us more like Christ. Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. God is more concerned about our holiness than our happiness, right? He didn't send his Son to die so that you and I could enjoy the things of this world. Jesus didn't bear the wrath of God for our sin just to make us happy in this life, but to make us holy. Hebrews 12.10 says, and this is speaking of earthly fathers, but for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. 
Every humbling parenting moment and every feeling of defeat is meant to lead you to Christ and to humble you at the foot of the cross where his name is exalted and his name is glorified. Cultivating a heart of humility is done by applying the gospel to your life every single day and throughout the day. We remind ourselves who we are, sinners in great need, imperfect and unholy. And remember who God is. He's perfect, good, gracious, merciful, kind, all wise and perfectly loving in all his ways. John Owen said two things need to humble us. First, let us consider God in his greatness, glory, holiness, power, majesty, and authority. Then let us consider ourselves in our mean, abject, and sinful condition. It is when we meditate on the good news of the gospel that we're able to walk in humility. And we need that humility to seek out God's help and the good counsel of other godly moms. So here's a little side note. Any older godly mom, wife and mom, will tell you that marriage and parenting is the iron that sharpens, iron that sharpens us to Christ-likeness. And you need those older moms in the church to speak truth to you. You need them to tell you the hard things you don't really want to hear. Search out those godly moms who have adult children who have walked sanctifying roads you have not walked yet. There are moms here with a lot of wisdom and they're the ones who don't have perfect children. These are the women you need in your life because when those hard days come, those seasoned moms will not just give you a helpful tip, they will most importantly walk you to the foot of the cross and seek God in prayer and his word with you which is where you will find his wisdom and his peace. So not only do we need to cultivate a heart of humility by meditating on the gospel, but we also need to remember our children are watching how we apply God's word to our lives in the humility of our hearts. Show them how it looks practically. Seek forgiveness from your children and let please forgive me easily roll off your tongues. Talk about what mommy, struggles, what mommy struggles with too and allow them to hear that through your prayers with them. You don't have to have it all together in front of your children. They need to see what it practically looks like to follow Christ and that it includes those good days and those bad days. It includes those moments when you have made a sinful choice as well as when you have had small victories. So no matter where you're at in those 6,500 plus days, maybe you're on day 20 and maybe you're on day 2,000 of being a mom. We can all agree we are all in need of God's grace as we parent our children. You will never meet a mom who has done it, has done and is doing it all right. Even if their Instagram posts seem to allude to the ease and beauty of parenting. We have a tendency to want to hide the truth of parenting in our social media obsessed culture. But the truth is this is pride and none of us will be perfect moms. We will all fail, but because of God's grace, we're able to get back up and show our children how to apply the gospel, right? Not only will you ever uh, never meet a mom who's done it all right, you will also never meet a mom who has perfect children. I know it's shocking. <sighs> I know what you're thinking. Well, of course our children aren't, are not perfect. But again, in our church circles, we tend to hide those struggles, right? The struggles are, um, of our children instead of being honest with each other. And we need the humble admittance and attitude of Paul in Romans seven eighteen. for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. And in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Just like Paul, who is known for his great humility, may it be with us as well. Just as much as we struggle with our own sin, so too will our children. 
And just as God has given us gospel glorifying testimonies, we pray so to our children. We should all be thankful for those hard days that lead us and our children to Christ, where we're all greatly loved, redeemed, and forgiven. So today I want you to remember three things, to be diligent, to cultivate the soil of your own heart as, as a follower of Jesus Christ. And as you trust the lives of your children to the plans of the Lord, first depend on Christ in prayer for yourself and your children. Second, depend on Christ through knowing him in his word, the source of all wisdom. And lastly, depend on Christ in humility before him and others as you teach, train, and disciple your children to the glory of your Savior. Let's pray. Lord, you are so good and so gracious and kind towards us. Lord, I pray um, that you would give these moms wisdom and discernment as they parent their kiddos, that they would love you first and foremost. They would follow you with their whole heart and their whole strength, Lord, that they would see the beauty of you and more that they would teach and they would train and disciple their children, um, Lord, that they would show the way um, and that you would give them the strength to do that. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you, Lord, um, that you are so wonderful to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's up. So Danielle is going to come back up. And then this morning, we also have Leslie Davis. Leslie has been married to her husband, Jason, for 27 years. They have three kids, um, ages 13, 11, and 8. And they are um, currently in the light CG. Leslie is also um, moving, I think, into like a newish role with school help. So if you have questions about school, Leslie is your person. And then last, I'm Jen Scout. She's one of our mentor moms. She has been married for 33 years. They have four kids, um, ages 25 through 11, and one cute little granddaughter, and they are in Creekside. So we're just going to go through um, some questions and hear your wisdom. So Leslie, what are some truths that you meditate on when your kids have been sick or hurt? And how did you combat um, just working through some of those fears? And how, what would you tell us to learn? All right, well, um, let me just maybe start with this second question because it will lead to the first one. So um, the question about, have you ever had the fear of losing a child? Um, Yes, and the, I don't know, some of you might know, but when my son was four, my 13-year-old, when he was four, he fell off the couch and broke his neck. And um, we, we had just moved to this area from Orange County like two days before. So um, I was, you know, through all of that, um, just to say like that is one of those things where I thought like when the neurosurgeon says like, you know what? are you sure he can move his hands and feet like he really shouldn't be able to? And um, the fear that rises, like you just don't realize. I never saw myself before as like a fearful person. But in that, I just was terrified. I was like almost paralyzed by the fear of it. Um, And so looking back on that and the fear that kind of, like how did I deal with the fear of that? I just meditate. I memorized so much scripture during that time, and I would just speak that to my heart. When the fear would come, I would just those verses over and over and over and over again until I could, you know, just find like the Lord would just give me peace in that. Um, and the other thing was uh, just worship, like worship songs. I would just sing them, sing them loud, like to drown out my fears and the thoughts in my mind. Um, and then lastly, I think. Uh, it's really important since then. I wrote down a lot of things during that time. Um, and one of the things I did was keep a journal of the ways that the Lord was so faithful to me in that. And so I go back to that 
you know, later we had some other really hard things, which we don't have time to go through all of that. But like, you know, my daughter, we almost lost her to it. We adopted her. We almost like she lost her that way. And so it's not like the fear of death, but the fear of like losing her. But all, remembering the way that God has been faithful is really a significant way to fight the fear and to and just to hide God's word in your heart because you need we need it. We really need it. Um, Jen, as a grandma, what are some things that would be helpful for you to know when watching the kids to ease your daughter-in-law's or daughter's anxiousness in leaving her baby with you? Well, in my vast um, <laughs> 11 months of grandmahood, uh, my knowledge, um, I would say, first of all, um, Cultivate a relationship. If you are blessed to have either parents or in-laws that are close by, they're willing to help, it is a safe place for your kids to be, cultivate a conversation with them because we really do want to help. But, you know, and, and we're a little rusty at certain things. Like, I actually have to say I had a little anxiety the first time I had to do a diaper. I was like, do I remember how to do this? It's been a while. Um, so cultivate a conversation. They're here to help. I'm, you know what, I'm really nervous about this. And it's been, I haven't, this is the first time I'm leaving. Like, do little things like, okay, how about you bring the little one over and then you go to the grocery store for 30 minutes and then come back. And, you know, and then your heart is encouraged because, okay, they're fine. They're breathing. It's okay. Um, and then, you know, move on to like the bigger things like, you know, a weekend away so that you guys can be with your, your spouses and, and keep that fire going and, and that. I would just encourage that. Also, um, expectations. Expectations can be a killer. No one is going to parent like you. No one's going to do it perfectly. Everything, there's, it's going to be different, and that's okay. Your kids will learn. I like, I kind of want to be the fun grandma and, you know, like, we go to grandma house, so like, I want to be like the Mary Poppins, like, come on, we're going to get out crafts, and let's color, and, you know, let's play with the markers that mom doesn't let you play with, and, you know, so, like, and I really look forward to that, so I kind of hope I get to, I get to keep you doing that, so. That's helpful. Um, Danielle, what do you say to the young mom who's terrified that her children may grow up and not submit their lives to Jesus? Big question. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I would just say that we are uh, a people, right, who live in the greatest of hope. And um, we, don't, we don't live in fear of the future, right? Our God is a God of love and of mercy and grace and compassion. Um, and he hears our prayers. And um, I would say one of the, the biggest things I learned is God is not after um, a result. He was after my heart. And, um, you know, walking through some hard things as my kids got older, um, you know, it was really about me. <laughs> it really was. It wasn't about my children. It was about me letting go of the idols I had in my heart. I, um, I, I just know we, we wouldn't, we don't um, raise our children or get older thinking um, we want, uh, <laughs> I don't know, this sounds silly, but we want the American dream for our kids, right? We want them to, um, and this isn't part of the American dream, but we want them to love Jesus. We want them to meet their soulmate to maybe just to, you know, um, buy a house and have children and all the beautiful things that are such wonderful things, right? But um, again, like I said before, we, we don't know what God has for our children. And it is really um, that they in their lives would glorify him. And we want good things for our kids. But when they become, um, those things become idols, um, God is really going to uh, work that in your own heart. And so that's why I really uh, wanted to focus on today, just take care of you. Take care of your relationship with the Lord and focus on um, 
through these years handing your kids um, daily um, to him because they are his, right? They're not ours. And um, um, we're just to be faithful and um, we're to um, train up our children and to obey God in our own life. I loved what you were talking about at the end of your uh, talk too about getting together with those moms and praying. Mm. Like I was thinking through that, what a blessing it is to have the church. Like we're not called to raise our kids on our own, in our own strength by ourselves, but we get to allow others from church to fill in those gaps of, because we don't obviously have it all together. So Yeah, and I would say, say that is the most, also another important thing is just to really make those relationships with older godly women who are going to tell you the hard things. Uh, my sweet friend back in the back who decided to crash the party. Um, <laughs> she she was with you guys a couple months ago, maybe? I don't know, whatever it was. But, but she is one person I always talk to people about because I always say, I have this woman in my life, and um, there's this story when I first got to FBC that this woman... Um, I didn't know anybody. I knew one person, and they said, do you want to go on this women's retreat? And I'm like, oh, okay, you know. And um, I drove up in this car, and I was the youngest person in the car. And I don't know these women. And we get to Arizona, and we get in this, to this big old house, and this woman says, hey, you, you want to go outside and talk? <laughs> That's how I remember the story. Um, <laughs> And, um, and I'm like, oh, okay, with my eyes, like, what is happening? Um, and she just said, hey, tell me your testimony. And I got to know her, and through many, many sweet years of this woman being so faithful to say the hard things to me, she, I would say, look at, look at what's happening. She's like, yeah, I see that, but, but this. And, and I'm like, okay, I needed to hear that. I don't want to hear that. But I need it. And, um, and so it just is really so important. And those aren't going to be everybody, but those are going to be like people you need. Find your person that is going to be that older godly woman that says the hard things, is not afraid to tell you the truth, but loves you. And it will listen to you and bear your burdens. Okay, that's just for Leslie, but the other, other two can jump in too. Um, if you go back... If you could go back and tell the mom of toddlers version of yourself one thing, what would it be? Well, <clears throat> I think, Danielle, you kind of talked about this a little bit in your talk, but I think just prioritizing your time in the Word, your time with the Lord, um, that those years are so, even though they're not too far, my youngest is eight, so I'm not that far removed from it, but I think um, those the toddler years, and then like when you have little babies, that time is mentally and physically exhausting. Like you just feel like, I just, I just can't, I can't, you know, you just kind of are tired. Um, and I tend to be like a really type A personality. I like my lists. I like to uh, check things off. Like I'll put, I'll put on the list, like get out of bed, check. Okay, I did it. You know, like I just, I really like lists. And so um, I tend to be more um, task-oriented and less, um, like, relational sometimes when I'm at home. And so I just think that time we have in the Word, when we get up before our kids are up, um, and just spending that time in the Word, make that a priority. Like, my kids always knew they could not come out of their rooms until 7 o'clock, so... They had a clock that changed color at seven o'clock. Some of you probably have those for your kids, but like those were lifesavers for me because I needed that time in the word. I needed that time with the Lord. Um, and then the second thing is just to prioritize your husband and your time with him and your marriage. Because again, when I feel overwhelmed by life, I tend to turn inward and I just, I don't talk to people. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very introverted just generally. And so, like, I don't, I wasn't, I won't talk to him or share things with him, and it, it becomes really hard. So I just encourage you, just talk to your husband, spend time with him, pray with him, you know, share the burdens of your heart with him so he can pray with you. He wants to come alongside you in those things. Um, so I just think those two things, which I, I would encourage you to prioritize, really make, make those things important um, 
in your day. And I definitely didn't and don't always do that, but I wish I did. <laughs> I was thinking about, um, chances are if you have a toddler, you probably have like an infant or you have a couple toddlers. Um, I would say set yourself up for success when it comes to time in the word. Um, like you can have a, I know for me, I always had a plan. I would be up at a certain hour and I, and I didn't have the clock that turned to colors and <laughs> it never failed. Somebody got up. It, we called it fresh meat. They smelled fresh meat. They're up. I'm like, and so, you know, things happen. Somebody gets sick. Life just happens. And so to help me with consistency, like put Bibles everywhere. I used to actually even have one in the bathroom with like a bookmark in it, like where I would like open and where I was. Cause that, I mean, I knew I had an isolated five minutes. Um, set yourself up for success. Um, also don't sweat the small stuff. I look back at when my kids were little and I was too concerned about having a clean house and things being perfect. I love what Pastor Chris said years ago. Your house needs to be clean enough to be healthy, but dirty enough to be fun. And I did not, that was not me. And so I would say, don't sweat the small stuff. Cuddle, reach your kids, be on the couch. I've never met a mom who said, gosh, I wish I would have, you know, wouldn't have played with my kids so much. I wish, you know, because <laughs> that's what they're going to remember. They're not going to care that the dishes were done. They're going to care that you cuddled with them on the couch and you read the Bible to them and you sang silly Bible songs and ran around the house and were animated. That's what they're going to remember. that we, um, we, <laughs> we don't have, well, you do still, but children in your home, and like, I feel the same way. I'm like, oh, let them do everything now. <laughs> I didn't feel that way. <laughs> but I, I, because I want to be a grandma, and I want to be a fun grandma. Anyway, <laughs> let them do everything. I don't know. Let them get muddy. There's so many times I look at my mom and I'm like, never would have let us yeah. see that. Away, but now, um, Jen, can you give us some guidance to submitting to our husbands when um, they make a decision allowing our kids to do things that we wouldn't necessarily approve of? Not not because it's wrong, that would be a different story, but but because you're afraid they might get hurt or yeah. Um, so this question I was I was thinking through, and I actually talked it over with my husband, and we were kind of like getting hurt, like if we were talking about like junior, dad wants junior to play peewee football or like just wrestling with dad in the house. So I have three older sons and my last is a girl. Um, and my boys were all boy, like 100%. And what one did, the next one up the ante, the third one was really gonna make it work. Um, so we had wrestling matches and sometimes I just had to leave the room because I was just like, this is going to go badly, you know, and, but I would say one, we need to remember that our husbands love our kids. They want what's best for our kids. And God gave two parents for a reason. We're going to do things different. We have different perspectives. We see things in our kids differently. I think sometimes like dads are really good at seeing areas that we're missing. Um, maybe he sees something in junior that he thinks, that this will cultivate something in his heart if he plays peewee football or whatever. But I would say go to your husband privately and have a conversation and express your concerns with kindness and grace, not in, a, in a, any way that where you're like demeaning or I know better um, kind of a thing. And then ultimately pray and submit because your kids need their father. They need, their, they need his leadership. They need to see him following Christ. And sometimes that even means they need to see his mistakes. And ultimately Christ and God is in control. He's sovereign over what happens. If Junior breaks his arm playing peewee football, that was, that was God's plan. I think sometimes as moms we're like, well, if I was there, that wouldn't have happened. No, that would have still happened. And we need to allow those things, to, those trials to come because ultimately we need to trust the Lord. I love Isaiah 26, three through four. 
you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Um, Danielle, how do you, how does the fear of neg negative influences drive our decisions on who we allow our kids to be around? And then also combining that last question, um, how do we combat fearful thoughts that our kids will be corrupted every time they leave our house? <laughs> you have some deep questions here. Right. <laughs> I, um, well, first of all, that last question, I, I laughed when I read that because the corruption is also in your own house. <laughs> so, right? We're all sinful. Like, it, just because they go outside doesn't mean... <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, just again, remembering your children are sinful as well as those other children <laughs> um, that they spend time with. And um, as much as we like to keep them protected, God has a plan for them um, that's far more amazing than ours. Um, a lot of these questions were on fear, you know, and I think um, as moms, sometimes we, we do live in those fears and we like to keep, um, we like to keep feeling like we're in control when in reality um, you are actually not. And um, I was talking with my niece yesterday and, and I was saying, it's like you get in the car and you buckle up your baby and your baby's in this safe protective cocoon in the back seat and you are doing all the great mom things you're driving so good and something happens on your way home and god forbid a car accident and your baby dies i know that sounds so extreme but i'm just saying you you did all the things um, that you could do but god is still in control and we're not called to live in fear we know that fear does not come from the lord right um but also on the, the other, uh, what was the other one? Negative influences that drive our decisions. Um, again, we know fear is not from the Lord, right? Second Timothy 1.7. Um, but I would say too, uh, part of that question is how do we decide who we allow our kids to be around? And um, a lot of you have zero to five-year-olds, right? So um, let them be around everybody, right? Like, um, I don't even think that that should be a thought, right? Like, let them be around church friends and school friends and neighbors and because every interaction is helpful for you in, in discipling your children, right? So, I mean, you have opportunities all the time. Uh, maybe Johnny next door was playing with your child and um, they got in an argument or, you know, so Johnny stole a toy. I don't know. Whatever it is, that is an opportunity to train your child in kindness, right? In, in selflessness. At every moment is an opportunity. It's just, are you going to take that opportunity? Or are you going to be mad at Johnny next door because Johnny is so crazy? I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so just, um, and as they get older, right, that's still the goal. Teach and disciple through the circumstances that they encounter in their day. Um, and use uh, the word uh, to help them and disciple them and train them in those moments. You're going to have a lot of opportunities as they get older. And I know some older moms in here that have teenagers that can say, yeah, we, um, I, I have a lot of moments where I can, I can uh, talk to my teenage daughter and walk her through those things. And even my 20-year-old, she calls me every day, right? And she's just like, mom, I don't know what to do and this and that and and okay, well, well, let's walk through that together, you know, and it's, it's really is, you are to be that guide and that shepherd along with your husband, but yeah. Yeah, that's good. There's always going to be hard and mean people, so it's helpful to, to start at two of how we treat others and love them, and yeah. Um, Leslie, give some biblical guidance to the mom who's comparing herself to her friends and constantly feeling like she is failing as a wife and a mom. Yeah, this is a good question to think through <clears throat> for me, for sure. But so the guidance I would give you is don't, just don't, really. Like, I tried to think of a way to say it, like, in a very eloquent way. Yeah. Um, but 
a woman who has discipled me for many years, um, she would say to me, like, when you find yourself doing those things, when you're comparing, when you're feeling like you're failing, um, you need to just say out loud to yourself, stop it. And that actually is helpful because it brings us back to, you know, our right place before a holy God, right? And I just think God makes us all, diff- all different, right? We all have different strengths and we have different weaknesses. And boy, this was a struggle for me because for two reasons, I think, um, which are things God gave me, right? For one, I was an older mom for kids my age. So when my first son was born, I was 34. When my daughter was born, I was almost 40. So it's like, I was in a different life place than most of the moms of other kids. And also like almost a different generation of people, right? So I always felt so like I didn't fit in and I didn't belong and also all of my kids are adopted. So then there was that part, which was all me. No one was like, well, she's not a real mom because she didn't get birth. But, but, when they, but I really felt like when they were talking about their birth stories and they were talking about, you know, you know, nursing their babies and things like that. It was like, I didn't have experience with that. So then I felt like, well, I'm less than, you know, but God wrote my story the way he wrote my story, right? And he walked my husband and I through some really hard times before we got to that. And that was actually a way that that God let me speak into the lives of other women um, who also were struggling with that. So, um, and then... This is kind of switching gears, but I would also say for me, social media had become something like I just off it 100%, like because I, that was a real struggle for me to look at those things and everything seemed perfect and everybody had all this stuff and their lives were together and I, mine was falling apart. Not only was it a waste of time for me, um, and I'm not saying that there's not good things to it, but I think that that's one of the ways in which... Um, we need to shepherd our own hearts in, um, in where we spend our time and what we're looking at and how we can see ourselves rightly um, in the way that God made us for our own families. So, Leslie and I were just talking about that too, social media. Anybody can have a platform. You can sign up and make yourself a little, I don't know what it's called, a little name thing, and you can say whatever you want. People might believe you, and you might have no idea what you're talking about. So you have to be careful with that. Um, for the sake of time, last, 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 um, last question. Jen, can you give some biblical guidance to the wife who fears her husband working in the world? Fear of the world's influence, fear of him traveling, succumbing to temptations, um, and then also not being a good enough wife. How do we combat those thoughts? Um, well, first, the fact that um, the word fear, I mean, I just marinating that in, in, in that, like reading these questions, there's so much in fear. And if you're living in fear, you're not walking in the spirit. So first and foremost, you have to get your heart right. You have to realize that, you know, you have a God who loves you and who loves your, your husband and loves your family and wants what's best for you guys. So be in the word, be in church, encourage your husband for accountability it's for whatever reason it's really hard for our husbands to find that with other men it's easy for us to go to an older woman it's not so easy for our husbands to go to older men so that i would say you know be involved have accountability but then i would say you know our husbands go out and they face the world every single day our home needs to be a light that they want to come home to I, my husband kept saying, it's kind of like a lighthouse, you know, like I want to come home into harbor, you know, like because it's dark and they want to come home and they want to feel loved and encouraged. They, you know, Chris talked about this, like be their biggest cheerleader, cheer them on, let them to be able to come home and talk to you about their day, like be a part of that. Um, also, out in the workplace, they're with women that are decked to the nine, and they're beautiful. So, you know, when they come home, brush your hair. <laughs> brush your teeth. You know, I remember, 
like little kids, I remember like there was, we had this like 15 minutes crazy right before dad got home, like quick, pick up all the toys. And I'd run upstairs and like whip off the exercise pants and put on jeans and a sweater or something, you know, put a little, you know, put a little lip gloss on, be excited when he comes home, have the kids be excited. I used to, you know, cheer him up like, guys, daddy's coming, daddy's coming, daddy's coming. And they'd, he'd walk in the door and they'd all be excited and running to him. And so make your home that, make your home a light that he wants to come home to. And then seek out older women to encourage you, to pray with you as you walk through these fears. Um, and, but then some other practical things, um, intimacy. If your husband's going to travel and he's going to be gone and he's going to be out in the world, but he is starved for affection at home, that temptation, we just made it so much harder on him. So be intimate with your husbands. Go on dates with your husbands. Date your husband again. Date your husband. And, and make it so that he doesn't, he doesn't want to look anywhere else because you are all that. And he married you because he loves you. Let him, let him be reminded of that. <laughs> That's good. Thank you, ladies. Can we thank the panel? Thank you.